Well, hello, everyone, and good morning, and welcome to this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines, and thanks for being here on this Resurrection Sunday. Amen. He is risen. We're going to go ahead and get started with music while we allow people to join us online. Uh, and that is going to be Micah Stampley, Lamb of God is the name of the song. And it's a beautiful song. Let's listen to it. And thanks again for being here this morning. He is risen. Amen. Hey, Angie, good morning. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Keyboard's not, keyboard was making you uh, say a word you didn't want to say. <laughs> hey Jackie, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. <laughs> hey Melvin Gaines, good morning. Melvin and Delia, good morning, good morning. Happy Easter indeed. Amen. It's a day of celebration. Nate and Marnell, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. beautiful day here. For those of you out of town, I hope it's a nice day where you're at. Could be warmer, but, you know, hey. Pearl and Walter, good morning. <laughs> if I see your name on the screen, I'm going to call it out. <laughs> Yes. What? I did say Roscoe. Didn't I say Roscoe? I didn't say Roscoe. Doggone it. Good morning, Roscoe. I missed it. See, I made myself look silly doing that. All right. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Greg, good morning. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Once again, for those of you just joining us, that's Micah Stam Micah Stam Stampley Stampley, Lamb of God, singing Lamb of God. Amen. Sweet lamb. 
Amen. So grateful you died for me. I love the whole Amen. That's a good place. That's a good place to stop. We're gonna. That was a beautiful rendition of the Lamb of God song by Micah Stampley. I want to make sure I pronounce his name correctly. Um, that uh, is a very fitting song. You know what? It, it made me think of this. I'm not really sure why, but if no one else in the world praises God, let you be the one to do so. Let you be the one to do it. You know, we're living in Satan's domain. We have fewer and fewer people who worship God, look to God. We have to praise Him. We have to give Him the praise. And even during the worst times that are coming ahead, guess what? There are going to be people out there praising God in spite of the danger in doing so. May you not be silent when it comes to giving Him praise and worshiping Him. And I think that song just kind of epitomizes that about what Jesus did for us on the cross and and the fact that he is now risen like the scriptures said he would be. They praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, that's what it's all about. So that was, again, Micah Stampley, Lamb of God. We're going to um, move into Sunday school right after announcements. Uh, we invite those of you online to stay in the timeline for Akron Alliance Fellowship for today's... Uh, Worship service and message at about 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, we will be projecting that live here online. And we invite you to stay with us for those of you who are not coming to church uh, with us in Akron, Ohio. So please be, stay tuned for that. Pastor Gus is going to be continuing his message uh, carryover from last week where uh, we were in Palm Sunday. Now we're in Easter and we're going to keep going with that message. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you giving consideration and praying about uh, giving by worship, uh, worship through giving. And we, of course, um, because we have a building, we have to run things here and make sure things are operating properly. And, of course, we've got stuff that has to be repaired and all that that we kind of know about, too, um, those of us in the church. But we appreciate your consideration um, to give, uh, not just for those things, but to give because we... Uh, we frankly need to make sure that we're doing our part uh, in worship. And so that's a matter for you to pray over, and I just thank you for giving it that consideration indeed. Well, here we are on this Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to now go ahead and get started with Sunday School. Um, we are still in the book of John, chapter 10. We're going to cover today verses 22 through 30. Um, I had prepared a whole sheet of stuff here going all the way to verse 42. I thought that was too much to cover in one Sunday, so we're going to break it up a little bit. We're going to cover John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. And in this section, this is where um, the religious leaders again have this campaign that they are putting forth 
to try to essentially trap Jesus into saying something or try to find a way to trick him to say something that he shouldn't say. And, of course, they just want to destroy him. That's what the whole theme of this has been for the past several weeks when we looked at this, these scriptures in the book of John. And now we're going to see some things here where he's going to make this great declaration, the Father and I are one. Uh, and that's something that he's speaking truth, of course, but that's something we're going to look at and go into in, in, with greater detail here. And recognize that Jesus is fulfilling the will of his Father. He is doing exactly what he was sent to do and called to do. And the time is short. The time is short for his time being on earth in this particular uh, situation here when he was alive uh, the first time on earth. And his time is short. It's nearing the end. And that has a lot of symbolism in what we're going to be looking at today here. So let's go ahead and get into this lesson and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Amen. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. We are reminded that where more than two are gathered, you are present. Where two or more are gathered, you are present. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. We thank you for all of those joining us online as well, too. And Lord, we pray that you touch each and every one of those individuals um, with a touch of your care and your love and have them experience your very grace, your very presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our lives to remind us of the importance of focusing on you and not on those things or those cares of the world, but focusing directly on you. Lord, no matter what is happening You are most important to us. And you are the one who gives us what we need to be able to withstand and sustain ourselves through the difficulties we experience. Lord, Satan doesn't have the power that you have. And we thank you for that too. Bless us and keep us now, O Lord. Remind us of your love all throughout the day. Remind us of what you've done for us on the cross and when you were raised. Thank you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 10. We're going to read verses 22 through 30. John 10, verses 22 through 30. And what we're going to do here is look at this conflict continuing. And it's really gotten down to the fact that the Pharisees, after this whole episode where the, the blind man was um, healed by Jesus and, and it was no one could dispute how it took place, they're pretty desperate. And now time has gone by. And we're going to read in this passage now. Let's start with verse 22. John chapter 10, verse 22. Uh, this is the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple, walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 24, the people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Amen. That's verses 22 through 30. Um, And as you can see, that's a pretty good point to to end off rather than launching into the next part of this uh, chapter. But let's take a look at this with greater detail. First, let's go back to verse 22. I want you to see something here that's pretty interesting. Um, First of all, 
Jesus did not shrink from his divine origin, did not shrink from his responsibility, did not shrink away. He was indeed available, showed himself with his works, and made testimonies. Let's do a couple of reminders of those testimonies. Uh, go to John 4:25. John chapter 4 verse 25. And of course in the book of John as we've been looking at this these studies, he has made himself very clear as to who he is the entire time. These questions that the Pharisees are putting forth are nonsensical at best. But you have to understand the motivation that they have. They are trying to get Jesus to say something that would give them the right to be able to stone him right then and there. Remember, they tried a couple of times to do that. It didn't work because Jesus said it wasn't time. But look what it says in verse 25 of John chapter 4. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then verse 26 Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Okay, so that's the verse we, I wanted to look at about how Jesus is saying and declaring himself to be exactly who he is. Let's take a look at another example of that. Matthew chapter 26. And I make sure I got the right verse. <laughs> Matthew 26. Okay, drop down to verse... Let's start with 63. Matthew 26, 63. And we're going to read verse 64 as well. Matthew 26, 63. But Jesus kept silent. And this was when he was being questioned before the, the Sanhedrin and all those uh, as far as who he was when he was arrested. But Jesus kept silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Verse 64. You have said it, Jesus told him. But I tell you in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now remember something here. We worship a Jesus who was without sin. He told the truth. The entire time, every time that he was asked questions, either he kept his mouth closed or he spoke up at the appropriate time and declared who he was. And that's exactly what they're doing back here in John chapter 10, verse 24. Let's go back and look at this again. Verse 22, John chapter 10, it was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. Some Bibles are not going to list the word Hanukkah, but that's what it was. They actually were celebrating at that time Hanukkah, which means, by our account, that's near around the time that there would be Christmas. (laughs) Okay, But obviously this was not Christmas here because Christ was still living. But Hanukkah was being celebrated. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. They keep asking that question. If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. He wants people to understand. We want people to understand here, and when we look at this, Jesus had been telling them all along who he was. They didn't want to acknowledge it. Do you realize that there's evidence of Jesus in different places and people won't acknowledge it? Uh, They just won't acknowledge that Jesus has anything to do with it. They won't acknowledge that we have a creator or anything like that. doesn't matter. If your heart is so hard and if... Frankly, if Satan has you under control, you will not acknowledge Jesus in your life. And I don't want to make a big to-do about Satan being in control of someone's life, but the reality is is that you're either following Jesus or you're following the, the, the leader of this world. It's plain and simple. And what, we're talking about a time where there's a festival of dedication This is about two months after the last dialogue had taken place uh, uh, earlier in John chapter 10. 
two months. So we actually have a, a fast forward that takes place from verses 21 to 22, two months later. And of course, Hanukkah was the celebration or the commemoration of the cleansing of the temple under Judas Maccabeus in 164 BC. So we're talking about celebration of something that had taken place. It was going, it was going for about a hundred and some odd years, 150, 160 years. And that was after Antiochus Epiphanes, who by most accounts was one of the most evil men in authority ever, had defiled the temple by sacrificing a pig on the altar of burnt offering. He took a pig and went to the altar and sacrificed it. And people just were outraged by that. And that's when he was overthrown, essentially. So there is a celebration that takes place. Now, it makes it a point also in verse 22. I want to make sure I'm catching this as well, too. And Anna, good morning. Happy Easter. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. just happened to see you pop on. Um, It was now winter. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of the festival. One thing we have to remember when we look at this, there's some symbolism in this. This was at the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, and it was winter, And we can make a comparison here and just look at this for what it really is. We can technically say it's winter now. We're in the last days. Wintertime, there's no more of a harvest. Harvest is over. So we're talking about a situation where, you know, when Jesus spoke about the harvest, there are a few workers and their harvest is plentiful. um, But there are so few workers. Well, now in the wintertime, there's no harvest. And there comes a time now where he was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. That's a porch. It was outside the temple. He really wasn't inside the temple. He was on a porch area outside. And what we're looking at here is that the time for people to acknowledge who Jesus is is short. He was no longer teaching in the temple. He was now moving outside of that. And you have to understand that the people who are around Jesus, it just says the people, but those are the religious leaders. Those are the Pharisees. These are the ones who are asking these questions. They wanted to have him declare himself to be the Messiah right before them plainly so that they could use it against him in some way, shape, or form. And that's the key here that we need to look at. The, the motivation behind these guys in wanting to do what they're doing was strictly to try to wreck Jesus in some manner or discredit him in some manner. What happens in the world that we live in today? What, what do people do about Jesus do they celebrate, do some people celebrate Easter or do they just say, ah, no, that's okay. They'll, they'll do whatever it is. They don't really care about this resurrection. They don't really care about the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Even in the things like looking at the Easter eggs and the coloring of eggs and stuff like that, there's still symbolism about Jesus in those actions. And we have to recognize that it's all right in front of us if we just look and examine that. All right, let's get back to this. They wanted to see Jesus, those those religious leaders. They were going to try to even use Jesus if they could to drive out the Romans if he was declared as a king because they wouldn't need to look at them as far as authority figures. But they didn't think that he was going to really do that. He wasn't going to do that. He didn't really have that. He didn't have a desire to do anything such as such of those things. He, he had a desire, frankly, for people to acknowledge who he was and come to the knowledge of who he was and recognize that he indeed was the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. So now we go back into the dialogue. Go back to John chapter 10, verse 25. John 10.25 Jesus replied, I already told you and you don't believe me. 
The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. How many things do you have to do to prove yourself before someone? When those of you who are in mathematics and taking classes or maybe even algebra or calculus, you would do a problem, but you would have to show your work. You have to show your work to see that the result that you got was exactly the result you were supposed to get. And that, because we were asked to do that all the time. Show your work, show your work, show your work. Well, Jesus had more than shown his work. When you're, when you're healing someone, when you're, when you're restoring, uh, when you're removing, when you're expelling demons from people, and I think we read yesterday in Matthew um, that uh, he had to tell the demons to be quiet because they recognized who he was. But he did not want the demons to give him away. Amazing the kind of power that Jesus has. That the demons know who he is and are ready to identify him publicly before others. What more did they really need to see? And it didn't really matter. He would have to keep proving himself. Tell us plainly. That's what they kept saying. Now look at verse 26. Remember, this is a couple of months later after the dialogue before about him being the shepherd and the sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I'm sorry, verse 26. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We just had this dialogue about the shepherd protecting the sheep. And the sheep... They respond to the voice of the shepherd. We learned that last week in our communication. The sheep really can't get too far away because they'll get lost. And the shepherd has to watch those sheep and care for those sheep. If they get too far away, there might be a wolf waiting for them. And they have no way of getting back to where they were before. Amen? I mean, that's what... That's what a shepherd has to do, protect all the sheep, because the sheep are just not very bright. But they are smart enough to know the voice of the shepherd. Now, when Jesus calls us sheep, um, we're not dumb like the sheep are, although that could be, you can argue that with some of us, <laughs> um, because some of us are really not too bright when it comes to certain things, but... Uh, let's not go there any more than we have to. Uh, but we know Jesus because we are familiar with him. We're familiar with who, who his, what his voice is. How are we familiar with Jesus' voice? In prayer, the Spirit speaking through us. It's really important for us to recognize that. He guides us. He gives us what we need to move forward. My sheep listen to my voice I know them, and they follow me. And the privilege that we have is that because he protects us, Jesus protects us. He's the shepherd, the good shepherd, and we're the sheep. We're safe in his care. We are safe in his care. I don't know if you've looked at it like that, but we indeed are safe. Our souls are forever protected because Jesus has assured us of that. Now that's a matter of faith. That's a matter of faith. He protects us. Look what it says in verse 28. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Jesus protects his people from eternal harm. Eternal harm. Our assurance, we all know that we're going to die one day. Amen? Amen? We all know that we're going to die one day. We all know that we have an end date. 
because we know that everybody who's come before us, family members, friends, whatever it is, they have an end date, they've had an end date, and they've passed on. But prayerfully, those individuals had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Their soul is protected. And that's what we have to rest upon in this faith. Jesus is telling us, and He speaks... Remember, He always speaks truth. These are always the words really inspired by God to be written down by the various writers in Scripture, but these are all God's inspired words. And He's telling us right here, point blank, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Now the snatching, who would even try to snatch you away? Well, Satan would. Absolutely, you try. Here's one thing that's really important for us to remember. You know, when you're walking in faith with Jesus Christ, there will be hindrances that take place. Satan will sometimes try to hinder your walk. I mean, my goodness, Satan hindered the archangel Michael delivering a message to uh, Daniel for two weeks because he doesn't want, he didn't want that important message to be shared for Daniel to take and make note of. He will hinder you. He will do those things. But he can't take you away from Jesus. He can't snatch you away. What a wonderful assurance that we have in His Word. And Satan can't take away, he can't harm our souls, can't take away eternal life with Jesus. Now, I made a point earlier to mention it's really important for us to focus on what God is doing in our lives and to not dwell upon the foolishness of this world because we got people out in this world who uh, are the epitome of the word fools. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, this is a reminder for us. Let's go to verse 4. I want you to look at this passage here about, amazingly, the word shepherd appears. The chief shepherd. Look at verse 4. 1 Peter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen to that. Clothe yourselves with humility. In other words, rather than getting all highfalutin about what's happening in the world today, you humble yourself. You humble yourself. And look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on Him, because He cares about you. You know, you can't, these are passages that you should be reading as often as possible just to give you reassurance. Because the world sometimes is loud and proud in their foolishness. But look at verse 8. Be sober minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, 
knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. In other words, any suffering you're doing, everybody else is going through it too. But humble yourselves. Humble yourselves and give yourself to the Lord in prayer in spite of whatever is happening around us. I've been reminded just in reading, it really is not relevant how crazy things are in this world. We know we live in Satan's domain. Of course, he wants chaos. He wants people to be confused about life itself. And he's done a great job of that. There's a lot of people out there who are utterly confused about life. And honestly, I'm just going to tell you guys again, you may disagree with me, I have done really well not watching one minute of network news over the last three years. Not one minute. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to find ways to protect yourself from what's going on in the world today, shield yourself from, remember, Satan's domain, so Satan's broadcast. Don't get into it. Stay in the Word. Stay before your Lord. Now look, you guys are bright enough, and everybody, and I'm, this is everybody online too, you know, know what's going on. You don't have to watch the news to know what's going on. But for your own sanity, you have to understand words and pictures are very powerful. That's why we got a bunch of kids brainwashed on TV stuff. Stuff on TV. TV is like the worst thing that we can expose some of our kids to. And by the way, Nick Teen ain't all teen stuff. Amen? I mean, I'm just telling it like it is. I, I, I think that we have to, as believers, we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect our minds throughout this process because if Satan gets a foothold on your mind worrying about all this stuff going on, Oh, Lord Almighty, what are we going to do? You're going to go and pray and take the matter to the Lord and stay out of that mess. He knows what's going on. But you need to understand that we follow a divine Savior that has protected you and is keeping you. He has given you eternal life because you have a relationship with Him. You believe in Him. And we need to make sure that we're paying attention to Jesus and not to the message of the world. The message of the world doesn't do anything for us. Not a thing. Now, pray for others in this world. Well, let's start start from our homes, right? Pray for your family. Pray for your family members who don't know Jesus. Pray for people that are, are, are your kin who don't know the Lord. There's plenty of those individuals to go around when it comes to prayer. And then extend that to your friends, people you know who don't know Jesus. That'll keep you busy. And in fact, it might keep you busy all night long (laughs) if you just stay in that mode of prayer. Amen? I mean, that's going to keep you busy by itself. So focus on those things that are good. That's why Jesus tells us that. Focus on what is good. Focus on Him. He is good. That's what we need to be looking at here. Choosing to follow Jesus gives you everlasting safety. Your souls are protected forever. Amen. Now let's look at verse... 29, for my Father has given them to me, and He is more powerful than anyone else. Now, notice how Jesus is saying, my Father is more powerful than anyone else. Well, He's saying it was true. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Because Jesus is saying the same thing in verse 28. How about that? That's an admission of something that the religious leaders are not going to want to hear. 
Verse 30, the Father and I are one. That's the clearest statement of the divinity of Jesus that he ever made. The Father and I are one. He's putting himself, remember what he just said, the Father is more powerful than anyone else. So he's making a statement that God himself is the most powerful being in existence. And now he's making the declaration that he's just as powerful as the Father. That's two of the Godhead. Amen? The Father and the Son. The Father and I are one. Now we'll get, we'll get to this next week when we continue in this study about this whole thing, about when he says the Father and I are one. But you have to understand something. And this is why we need to be staying in constant prayer for our brothers and sisters who do not know Jesus. They're living outside of God's security. They're living outside of His authority. They're living outside of His care and comfort because they're choosing to live under the realm of Satan. That's a really harsh thing to say, but that's exactly what's happening. They have to be... You have to pray over them I mean, I won't, re- I won't keep recounting the stories of how we've been praying much of our lives for people who don't know the Lord. And amazingly, the Lord, frankly, snatches them back from Satan at the last minute when they make a declaration for Jesus. But that's exactly what we are to do. And Jesus is declaring himself like the Father. They are one in essence. They are one in nature. So, for those who have declared Jesus as a great prophet, a great teacher, rabbi, call him rabbi, teacher. Well, he's more than that, isn't he? He is God himself. God himself. So now... In answer to the question, back in verse 24, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Well, he did in verse 30. (laughs) So he made, he answered the question. But you have to understand something. This is all, God knows exactly what he's doing here. Jesus knows what he's doing about timing. And Jesus had said it before. Maybe not directly to them, but he is telling the truth. They don't want to believe him. Pray that the unbelievers in our lives make a decision to believe. They have to choose to believe in Jesus. They have to choose to believe his truth. The religious leaders wanted to kill him because their law said that anyone claiming to be God should die. That's what they said. Problem is, is that Jesus showed his work to support that he was the Messiah. And when the Pharisees dealt with it, oh, we don't want to pay. To, oh no, that no, oh no, we're not going. We're not going to pay attention to that. He did show his work. He showed evidence of who he was. And perhaps even the disciples, when we recount the events of the resurrection, since today is Resurrection Sunday, even they initially had a hard time understanding how someone would be raised from the dead. How someone could raise himself from the dead. How God could raise him from the dead. And remember, the stone was not rolled back and then he walked out. He came out before the stone was rolled back. And someone mentioned something this morning. Oh, it was David Jeremiah. Mentioned that that stone that was rolled back 
it would have taken maybe 20 people to roll it back and they still would have had a hard time because it was that big of a stone. Even the disciples struggled with discovering an empty tomb. It was only when Jesus reappeared after they stared at him a few times and when he sat there eating this piece of broiled fish they just stared at him while he was eating. They had to finally realize yes, he's back. (laughs) He did return. It took a minute. Isn't it interesting how the women who went to the tomb were astonished, but they believed right away? How about that? Now, what does that tell you, though, about women? Women, and this is proved out basically over today, women have this emotional connection with Jesus that guys scuffle with. Guys scuffle with it. But they're wired differently than us men. They seem to have it much more on the ball when it comes to an emotional connection. Now, listen, that means that the women, of course, they are faithful. Stay in prayer, ladies. Stay in prayer for others. Because not everybody, not every woman gets it. Amen? Not every woman gets it. We got women out here who would much rather be doing all they can to try to get ahead and I won't I'm not going to discuss why. That's a, that's a that's an off-camera conversation. But that's something that we have to recognize. His sheep hear his voice. They follow him. The sheep let me take a look real quick at Proverbs 20, verse 12. You know, we have to understand, too, when, when God writes some certain things for us in Scripture, He wants us to be reminded that He gives us the ability to hear. Why? Because He created the very <laughs> objects that we have to ascertain information. Proverbs 20. Let's see if I can get to it quickly. Yeah. Well, let's start with verse 11. Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even a young man is known by his actions whether his, by whether his behavior is pure and upright. And then look at verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord made them both. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord made them both. We have to be open to hear His voice. We have to be open to see the evidence of what He has done. We can see, first of all, we can see in Scripture, we can see by walking outside and looking at the very creation that we walk through each and every day. Open your eyes. Open your ears. God is in our midst. God is with us. We serve a God of the living. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even though they long passed on, it's still the God of the living. And we have to always keep that in mind. We serve a living God, a living Savior. He is alive. He has risen. How would it really be if we were serving a God who is dead? You talk about a life of futility. I don't think we'd be here this morning if we knew that God was dead. That was a big uh, claim back in the 70s. Some commercial on TV talked about some people think God is dead. You know why they thought that? Because of all the turmoil that happened in the 60s. We had multiple assassinations, we had riots, we had the war of Vietnam, but people were going crazy back then. It was a time of great uncertainty. And people said, well, God must be dead to allow all this stuff to happen. 
Well, it's not true. He's alive. But we live in Satan's domain. Always remember that. When calamity hits, recognize God allows it, frankly, to get our attention sometimes. Amen? God allows some of these things to happen to get our attention. Because some of us have very short attention spans. Or some of us need to be reminded of God's goodness. Amen? All right. I think I'd, I think I beat that to death. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think it's important for us to see how God is speaking to us. He went back to the rhetoric about the good shepherd, being the good shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Pray and continue to pray that you just listen to him carefully. Let him guide you and fortify you. And on this day, we recognize that he is a risen Savior. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for your teaching as well, too. We thank you for your encouragement. We pray, Lord, that you'll take this time now to bless us and keep us. We thank you for how you indeed fulfilled the very words prophesied about you by dying on the cross, being buried and resurrected. We serve a living Savior. And we thank you for that too. Lord, bless us and keep us now. Help us along day by day when we call upon you. Because Lord, you know we need our help. We need your help more than we can ever say sometimes. But we thank you for your presence in doing so. Bless us and keep us now, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today for another edition of Livestream Sunday School. Have a wonderful, blessed Easter. Take care of yourselves. Uh, spend some time with family if you can. And take care, and we will see you next time.